and we took them to their new house on the lake. And in the closet was brand new clothes. Parked outside was a brand new car. And it was just a brand new life. Like, and they were to leave everything that they had in the old house behind. New life, new day. Let's go. That was an incredible moment for us as kids to be able to do for our parents. In a year and a half later, the bank was taking that house. The bank took their original house, our cars, my house. Everything was gone. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. All right, we are live. Jamel Damji, how are you? Welcome to the Turning Profit podcast. Excellent. Good to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to all the people about turning profits. Yes. <laughs> what we all want to be doing these days, right? Nice to see you both, Pete and Heather. How are you today? We're doing great. Good, yeah. So you're out in Phoenix. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, where the weather today is actually cool. So I'm wearing a hoodie. It's not, not normal Phoenix weather, but the winter, you'd be surprised. The desert gets cold. Especially at night, huh? Oh my gosh. Yeah. At nighttime, it, it can be, you can see your, you can see like your breath at night. It's, it's kind of neat. Yeah. I've got a brother who lives out in, um, in Phoenix area and he just, you know, he just loves it. It's, I mean, it's growing so rapidly and every time we go check him out, you know, go visit him and there's so much going on and so much different than the time before. It's very, very much like that. I've lived here since 2012 and the city has changed in the last 10 years dramatically. Yeah. Where were you before Phoenix? Gosh, lots of places. So I uh, was born in Los Angeles, California, okay. and when I was a young boy, my family all moved to Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So I actually am a dual American-Canadian citizen. I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, and I stayed in Alberta until about 2008 when the real estate market crashed there. I actually started my real estate journey in, in Alberta, Canada. In 2002, I got involved um, in a real estate deal that changed my life, essentially, and I uh, rode the wave up the hill, and then when the market crashed, I rode it. Well, actually, I didn't even say I rode it down. It it rode me down. <laughs> and then uh, in 2008, I moved from Alberta to Los Angeles to become a comedian because I didn't want to do real estate anymore, and uh, I just couldn't stay away. So when the market started to rebound in, in around 2010, I started making some investments and using rentals in Phoenix, Arizona to supplement living in LA because it's just oppressively expensive as a city. And seeing how I could do so well in real estate, I asked myself the question is, you know, what I'm doing comedy for because that was the real joke. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the tie-in. I see all your ads online and I love them, by the way. I'm a amateur comedian myself, you know, basically <laughs> for our family. Once a comedian, always a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> And I think everybody's an amateur unless you're Kevin Hart. Yeah, yeah, really. He's, that's a funny guy. That's one funny dude. Yeah, so I love your ads, and they a lot of them have uh, some sort of comedic undertone to them. So, you know, that's uh, that's very impressive in my book. I mean, has has that really worked for you, that, that advertising style? Oh, it's insane. You know, if you look at my engagement and the comments that people leave, 
people mistreat ads on social platforms. <laughs> you go and read the comments that people will leave there. It's it's terrible. Like the the worst thing that people can say to like anybody is what gets written on the comment section of people's ads. Right. You know, I I it's like whoever it's like somebody will watch an ad or, or you know, it's like you've, you've disturbed their their soul so much that for five seconds they had to see your face talking about something that they'll tell you to, you know, contort your body in whichever way and, and, and just say the most heinous things to you online. And um, that doesn't happen to me. People wow. will actually leave me positive comments and tell me that I made their day and that you know I'm they were so grateful that I actually made them laugh and didn't make them want to lose their lunch so it's 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 not only does it work but I think became a part of my brand yeah I love it I you know I've we've kind of I was gonna say exactly I love it and then you stole like I was literally trying to say that but go on yeah yeah we've got a lot of experience with online ads from uh, another business we have which is blogger training which Heather was the face of that business and so we we were spending you know a million dollars a year in in Facebook ads for you know a number of years straight so when I see good ads you know I take notice so, so it's very interesting to me and we've thought about doing humorous type things before but just, I guess, wasn't able to pull them off because maybe I'm not as funny as I think I am. Yeah, I've been I've been actually paid by a number of different info people and different companies to help them write their ads, and they do well all around. It's a side gig that I do. I don't really advertise it or tell people, but it's like, yeah, I've, I've, it is remarkably better when you can engage your audience in a humorous way and when your hook can be something that, can not only make them laugh, but makes them think it wins. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and instead of an intrusion, it's actually like a little bit of joy into their life, you know, as they're scrolling. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, Absolutely. Need, to, I need to change the algorithm so I get all of your ads. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah, well, that. just, just I, like a couple of my posts and I will never leave you alone again. Okay. I that can, sounds good. I could use that. Like and share. Like That's, and share. I'm going to start. Call, I'll be your top commenter. Love it. You get a badge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> so um, we didn't even bring him. Sorry, we didn't even bring you on today to talk about ads, but here we are. Oh, no, that's all you know. good. Sometimes you go off on a little bit of a tangent, you know. <laughs> um, we brought you on because you are like the. Hold the, on. Huh? I, I got it. I okay. wrote it down. All right. Now I have to find it. Wholesale. Yeah. Go ahead. The wholesale I genie. Mean, the wholesale genie. Genius. I mean, yes. Wholesale genie or genie? That's one of my ads. So we actually did cover it. Yes. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's your that's your main area of expertise. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we're mm -hmm. we're working on getting like the the top people in each segment of uh, real estate investing. We're big investors ourselves, and you know, when I thought wholesaling, uh, your name immediately came up. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wanted to have you on. So. Maybe for our listeners that don't quite get wholesaling or what that's all about, maybe if you can give kind of a an overview of that, and then we'll start digging in a little deeper. Of course. So I am a, a wholesale expert. I would arguably be called one of the top wholesalers in the country, if not the top wholesaler in the country. What wholesaling is, is where we trade in contracts. So if you are a beginner real estate investor, you don't have money, you say you don't have a real estate license and um, you want to get involved. You want to figure out how to generate some capital. You want to get an understanding of underwriting deals and see what a good deal is versus a bad deal. And you really want to dip your foot in, but you don't have the financial capacity to get started 
in buying property? Well, a lot of people start in wholesale because with some grit and some time and sweat equity, you can generate a lot of money. And that's exactly what I did in wholesale. It's what I continue to do in wholesale and what I teach people how to do. So wholesaling is essentially the art of selling potential, right? So what we do as wholesalers is we look for properties that have an opportunity to force appreciation. Now, that means that this house has to have distress, either a situation that's in distress or the property itself is in distress. And what we do is we offer a solution, a cash solution to that situation. And then we obviously put that property under contract. And when you have control or equitable interest in a property, you can sell your equitable interest or you can sell your control of a property to an investor who may want to go and realize that project to its full potential. And they're willing to pay you a portion of their future profits for the deal. And that's essentially what we do as wholesalers is we're out there looking for the diamonds. We're looking for those specific deals that offer an investor an opportunity to take a financial risk and make a profit. And they're willing to pay you a fee to help them do that. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really a, um, well-worded overview, I, I think, of wholesaling. Um, I'm sure you've said that quite a few times before in the past. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny because a lot of people have the, a, a different approach or a different view of what wholesaling is, where they think, oh, you you know, you're taking somebody's equity or you're taking away value from someone's home and putting it in your pocket instead of giving them the full value of their house. And that's actually not the case. I think that's a misunderstood misrepresentation of what wholesaling is because. I'm not out there looking for a beautiful house. I'm not, this equity hasn't been realized yet. The things are, is that the houses that I'm buying, the, the properties that I put under contract, they're terrible, right? These are hoarder properties. These are properties that have been overtaken by squatters or where there's like rampant drug use. And it, the house is just so, so terrible. It's in such disrepair that it's a blight in a neighborhood. So for me and for, uh, anybody else who's who's listening to this right now, like the equity is not in that house yet. Somebody has to take a financial risk. They actually have to put money into this property in order for new equity to be realized. And so I think that's where the the fundamental misconception of the business model has taken place. Because you know, if I if say I buy a house that could be worth a hundred thousand dollars with a remodel, but I pay fifty thousand for it in terrible condition. I haven't taken away $50,000 of equity. It doesn't exist yet. Somebody has to take a risk to get that. And now I might sell that to somebody for $55,000. I might put it under contract for $50,000 and sell it to somebody for $55,000 and make a $5,000 fee for finding the opportunity. But whoever I sell that to still has to go and make a risk. They still have to force the appreciation in order for it to exist. So I think that's where fundamentally people have gotten what wholesaling is wrong. How did you get started in this? Like, was there, did a situation come up or, I mean, how did this just happen? Because I think it's. Well, funny story, right? I, I wish somebody had taught me. Right, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it wasn't that simple. So I grew up in Cal Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So we didn't have access to a lot of the same commercials for Carlton Sheets and different info products that you guys had here in the United States. You know, and our public television in Canada is, is pretty simple and uh, they don't, they don't they don't allow uh, you know American info products to to permeate our, our TV over there. But how this actually happened for me was I had uh, you know rewinding back to like two thousand one two thousand two I was supposed to be a doctor. I'm of East Indian descent. 
my mom, dad, and my family had, you know, they were pushing me to go into medicine. And so I did really well in college. I, I had taken the, the test, the MCAT, it's the medical school entrance exam. I did pretty well on that as well. And I applied to medical school and I didn't get in. <laughs> and I was, I was really shocked. I was shocked at it because I thought I had done all the things right. You know, I, not only had I done all the things right, but I, I scored so well on my medical school entrance exam that I was like, in, I was in the top percentile. In fact, I can say it now because nobody can get in trouble for it. But my cousin who had already, who was, who was in the same class as me and taking the same test as me going, trying to become a doctor with me, he actually cheated off me in the medical school entrance <laughs> exam and, and he got in and I didn't. And I was like, this was shocking to me, right? The, that like, what a gross injustice. How did somebody else determine my future and be able to take away what I had been working on for, you know, what felt like my whole life, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, not becoming a doctor gave me the freedom to decide to go into entrepreneurship. And that's what I did. So I went into a fledgling media company at the time. And this company was failing, but they needed a salesperson. They needed somebody to come in and get on the phones and, and start selling websites. So this is, you know, rewind it down to back to 2001, early days of the internet. My job was to call people in the yellow pages and convince them that this thing called the internet was actually important and that they should invest in a website because people were going to start going online to find who they wanted to do business with instead of going to the yellow pages. And I did really well. I did really well at that. So well that I ended up being able to take over the company that I was helping out when I had come in as a, as a salesperson. The problem was is that we were selling $600 websites and I didn't do enough digging into the P&Ls and understand the costs that, that it, you know, what it actually cost us to make a website. And it was actually costing us $700 to make yeah. every website. That's so tough. I did so well, I put us out of business because every time I actually made a sale, we lost a hundred bucks. But it did put me in proximity to my business partner at the time. And him and his father were real estate investors. They would take old, these old bungalows, knock them down, and they would build duplexes in their place. And, and every time they would do this project, they'd make like 150, 160,000 bucks. And to me, at that time, money like that was like the Powerball, you know, like $160,000. Like, wow, how do I get involved? And, and, you know, their first answer was, you don't, you don't have any money. You don't have credit. You don't have anything. You can't, there's nothing you can do here, Jamil. Like, you know, stop, go, go sell websites. Right. So that's like, that's what that was like. But as I listened deeper to their conversation, I overheard the need and the need was they needed more bungalows to tear down. So that's what, that's where I had value. That's if I could get out there and find them projects, find them properties they, I'd be able to fit myself into the conversation. So the next day I was walking my dog and I actually ended up, I was living in one of these neighborhoods where I saw this kind of construction activity happen all around me. And so walking my dog, I walked by a house for rent and I knew this property had had trouble renting because I actually tried to rent it a few months earlier, but it was like $200 outside of my monthly budget. Like that's where I was in my life, right? In terms of finances, like $200 decided where I lived. And uh, so I didn't rent the place. I couldn't. 
but it was still available. So I called the lady and I asked her if she would be interested in selling the house instead of renting the house since she was having such a hard time renting it. And her answer was, sure, for the right price. I asked what the number was. She said $350,000. So I run my butt back to the office. I talk to my partner and I ask what his dad and him would pay for this house. And his answer was $400,000. Are you looking for funding for your land flipping deal? Then head on over to partnerwithpete.com. It's an innovative new funding program where we split the profits with you 50-50, but we take it one step further and we handle every other step of the process in the land flipping business. Yes, that means we handle all the due diligence. If the property needs any value add like clearing brush, perk test, survey, we'll get that paid for up front. Then when the property resells, we split the profits 50-50. There is absolutely no downside for you as an investor. If we lose money, we don't pass that on to you. But when we make money, when we make profit, we split the proceeds 50-50. So as a recap, we handle every part of the process. We split the profits with you 50-50. There's no downside for you as the investor, only upside. So go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and we'll get it checked out within 24 hours. So now I have a $50,000 problem to solve. See, what most people would have done is they would have gone to their partner and they would have run right in there and said, I can get this house for $350,000. And they would have said, amazing. Here's 2,000 bucks. Thanks for the lead. That's what most people do, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't think that way. My mind isn't wired that way. My mind was wired. How do I get involved? How How do I fit myself into this transaction? And so... I did what I knew how to do, which was go to the yellow pages. So I went to the yellow pages and I started calling attorneys. And I get all the way to the letter S and ST because the attorney's name was David Steed. I will never forget him because the man changed my life. But he answered his phone because he was so fresh out of law school, he didn't have a secretary yet. And I told him what my situation was. I said, I can buy a house for $350,000 and I have a buyer for it for $400,000. And I don't know how to do this without any money. Is it, is it possible? Can I buy a house and sell a house without money? And he explained to me a process. In Canada, they call it a skip transfer. In America, it's called a double escrow. But it's the process of being able to use funds from a B to C or a sale to purchase an A to B or a, or a buy. And the difference is what you get to take. And I don't have to come to the table with anything. So he, he showed me exactly how to fill these two contracts out. And he told me as soon as I had it done to bring those two contracts to him. And in a couple of weeks, I'd have a check. And a couple of weeks later, I had $47,000 after his fees. Wow. And you were hooked. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Hooked would be an understatement. I'd say... I was a right. I mean, I was uh, it was I was like what you you, you know if there yeah. was yeah. It's amazing how that first deal sometimes can be just like a gateway into a whole new world. I think because it know? shows the possibility and it works. Yep. You're like you know what I mean it's no longer on paper. You're actually seeing it. It works and you're like okay I just have to duplicate this. And and really even even if it's not like the biggest deal in the world, like doing it and like proving mm-hmm. that that model works is just you know life changing. Wouldn't it still? Have, I mean. You're, that was a chunk of change, especially, you know, back then too. But like, even if it had been 10% of that, wouldn't it still have just been super cool? Like you would have- 100%. You know I mean? it, listen, if it had been like 500 bucks, right? I would have been happy. Right. You know, it would have been incredible proof of concept for me. But 
you know, the funny thing was is that like grow I I grew up very very uh, working class. You know, my my parents first generation immigrants, and you know they they struggled. Our family struggled hard, and money like that just wasn't in our vocabulary. We didn't understand that. I didn't understand it. In fact, I was so shocked at that even happening that I held that cashier's check in my wallet for months. <laughs> it got all creased. I wouldn't cash it. I wouldn't cash it. And then somebody told me that if you don't cash this thing in six months, it won't be valid anymore. Like you, you have to. Yeah. It was like you were scared to actually make that deposit or, you know what I mean? Then I was, I was frightened. I was like, I don't, I don't know what I even do with this. I, I did think it's just that, that first deal for you, it, it's not, it wasn't like a, a struggle because it, you know, you saw that opportunity, you saw what was, you know, the, that path there. But for a lot of people, I think it's that first one. It's like super scary. You know what I mean? Like, can I really do it? Will it work? Um, do you think that location, like, I mean, you know, just to simplify it, it's pretty much just finding a property, finding, you know, that end buyer, you're kind of in the middle there facilitating it, right? Um, do you think that, that that system works like everywhere? Like, do you think that there's certain areas of the country or different, like you're talking about Canada, but I guess switching to the U.S., do you think that there's parts of the U.S. that that just wouldn't work? Or is it something where if anybody could do it in anywhere in the U.S.? Obviously, some are higher. Cost. I don't think I don't I don't think geographical location has any hindrance or any I, I don't think it affects it. I think I think what everybody needs to pay attention to is, is there an opportunity to add potential? Is there potential in this property? Because that's all your that's all that needs to be there. See, in order for a buyer to want to buy it from you, they have to be able to do something with it. So that potential could be redevelopment, fix and flip, rental, whatever that is, they have to have another use. And that use has to be lucrative. Otherwise, who, no one's going to buy, no one's going to pay you for it. No one's going to pay you more than you paid for it. So it's like you have to find potential in the property, but I guess also potential in yourself that you're capable of doing this. Yep. And I'll stop. Well, I'll let you, uh, you know, Heather me. monopolizes all of our conversation. No, she, she's <laughs> This whole time I had to write notes because I was like, I got to ask him. I got to ask him. <laughs> now I'm gonna... Well, it's about, it's about, I mean, you're, you're as a wholesaler, you are really providing a valuable service because a lot of the end user investors, whether they're buying it for fix and flip or they're buying it to redevelop the property or whatever, whatever the case may be, most of these investors do not have a system in place to actually find these deals. Mm -hmm. I mean, their biggest their biggest issue is finding a deal. Like, I need more deals. How do I find more deals? And a wholesaler who puts a regimented system in place and is able to, you know, have the conversations with the, the property owners and get these deals locked up is providing a really valuable service to the end investor who will then take the baton and, and take it further, like uh, whatever their value add process is and, and make that happen. So it's um, in my book, wholesalers are really valuable. If you're, if you're an investor that doesn't have your own, you know, deal acquisition, you know, system already set in place, it's, it's really a, a, a well, you can't have thing. a business without that. Like if you don't have the, you need you know, the deal flow. Right. Yeah. And on the other side too, though, you're providing a service to somebody like in your example, that first one, it was like, she had a, a problem and you offered a solution and it wasn't a problem that she even knew she had, that there was a solution to in that way. Like who knows how long she would have sat there being like, I really need to rent this out. And it's just not renting, you know? Oh, and there's some people that just cringe at the thought of going through the process of listing their home mm -hmm. or their property with a real estate agent. 
you know, it's showings, it's getting the home ready. Or it might even be their home. Like it could have been something that they inherited. You know, like a lot of these ones we were talking about, squatters are sitting in there. They've been sitting there and they're like, I don't even want to deal with it. You know what I mean? It's better just to pretend it's not happening. And then you, you know, come and you're like, hey, this property, I have a way for you not to have to do all these steps. I take care of this for you. Yeah, that's, it's, it's really, I mean, there's so many reasons, right? It's like the, you know, let's, let's focus for a moment on the end investor. Okay. The end investor has a core competency. Their core competency is, is doing whatever they do, fixing and flipping. Maybe they build new houses. Maybe they're a buy and hold investor. And they do property management and, you know, maybe whatever it is, They're, they do something else. They have a professional business doing whatever that is. So finding the deal is in itself a business. It's, it's, a, it's an expertise. It, it is a competency. And you typically don't have resources or you're not investing resources in, in being good at all of the things, right? Let's look at any business model, for example. McDonald's, okay? McDonald's is really good at making hamburgers and french fries and and cool little ice cream treats, okay? But the fact is is that $8 Big Mac, okay? It 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 started Are they really $8 now? Oh. I don't know. She's a, she's a vegan. So she's just, not eating any Big Macs. But I'm like, "Wow, that is that got a lot per- Okay, go on. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I mean they're close, <laughs> right? Maybe seven yeah. bucks or whatever. They're they're. I, I said eight because I think the last time I bought a Big Mac, I was in an airport yes. and it was eight bucks. But <laughs> still cheap, um, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, but think of that. Okay, so that that eight dollar Big Mac, it had to start somewhere. Every business has a wholesale step up, right? So there was at at some point this this Big Mac existed in a cow, on a farm, and when it was in the form of a cow on a farm that that patty might have been worth five cents right but it had to that that cow had to get slaughtered that meat had to get processed that then had to get transported it then had to get packaged it then had to get retransported then had to get distributed and then it had to go into uh the mcdonald's distribution center and then it had to go to different restaurants and then somebody had to get paid to prepare it and then somebody had to get paid to take the money and take the order and then it had to find its way into that person's yeah. stomach. Okay? From, from all of that, all of those processes added value to that patty. All of them. And the person, whoever, whichever place they were in that business or whichever they were, wherever they were in that step, they focused on those things. Like there's a, there is a company whose focus is meat distribution. There's a company whose focus is meat processing. There's a company whose focus is logistics and transportation, and they all do different things. Not everybody is going to do all of it. And it's the exact same way in real estate. It's the same way in every business. And so the thing about what we do as wholesalers is exactly, you're exactly right. We add a lot of value to so many different people, whether it be the seller, whether it be the end user, whoever it is, they using what we're good at, which is spotting that potential and understanding who the end buyer could be, they're using what we bring to the table to help them solve their problem. I have one example of, of a situation exa- where it wasn't like a, a seller who had like a terrible house. There was a man here in Phoenix, Arizona. He had built his, they had built this gorgeous mansion for him and his wife and really custom, like super, super custom house. You know where you, when you're super rich, you can you can do stuff like that, right? Just make Off like the, yeah crazy the stuff. 
yeah, do crazy yeah. things in your house because you can afford to. Well, what happens is this, but this poor guy, his wife gets cancer and she passes away and he can't stand being in this house anymore. Like it's, it breaks his heart. Every corner he turns, every little thing that they chose together, it just, he can't do it anymore. And so he decides to sell the house and he sits on the market for six months. Nobody wants to buy the house, right? He's lowering the price, lowering the price, lowering the price, nothing. Nobody wants it because it's too custom. So I get a call from a realtor and she says, Jamil, you're this, you, everybody says you're the master at being able to figure these things out. I don't know what to do here. And this guy's desperate. Like, what's the, what's the play? Because nobody can come in and remodel. It's all like Italian marble and stuff. Like there's nothing other than the fact that it's like completely customized. This house is perfect. So I looked at it and I thought, eh, I think everybody's looking at the wrong thing here. It's sitting on an acre of land in Arcadia, Arizona, which is one of the most prime areas of development in, in all of Phoenix. So I didn't look at it as a mansion. I looked at it as an acre of land. And I ended up contracting the house at 900000 which is exactly what the seller wanted. And I sold it to a developer for a million who knocked the mansion down, subdivided the lots, and built six <laughs> new houses. Yeah. It's just that creative solutions. Yeah. It's the play. You got to be able to find the yeah. play. What? Um, I mean, it sounds like you've been through, we've been in real estate, you know, the same kind of the downturn and all, all that fun stuff. I use that term loosely. Fun stuff? All yeah. that fun stuff. Um, I won't even go to short sales, REOs, BPOs, you name it. Yeah. And we're in kind of a, a strange transition period right now. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And, you know, how do you see wholesaling work? Let's say things, you know, tick back up or they tick back down, interest rates stay high, they drop. How do, how do you see the future and how does that affect wholesaling? Well, funny, wholesaling is one of those business models that we make money no matter what's happening. Like we're, we're, we're always going to transact on the way up. We transact on the way down. And so for us, uh, we've, we've actually been doing rather well, even in the market turning. There was a couple of months there that, you know, our buyers were a little hesitant and they're like, oh, we don't really know what's happening. And so they weren't pulling the trigger. And so volume had depressed. I think that happened all across the board with everybody's business if you were in real estate. So, uh, you know, that, that made sense. But the smart money, the real players, the real buyers are out there buying deep right now. Really deep. And you can. Funny enough now, I live in the same neighborhood where that mansion was located. And, uh, that, and, and that, subdivide, that subdivision, I'm literally like around the corner from where that, that whole funny. thing happened. I didn't live in this neighborhood when that happened, but I do live After in that now. deal. And <laughs> no, no, it took me long. It took me a lot longer than that. That was just, that was just the beginning. Uh, you, you, um, since the 2008 crash, I, I changed my approach and I don't do leverage anymore. So uh, until I could buy my home with cash, I wasn't living in this, I wasn't living here. So everything I've done since I've been very conservative, I don't have loans. I don't have loans on anything. I'm just, the way I see life is if everything goes upside down, if I had to, you know, drive Uber, I'd be okay. Cause I've got, I've got everything that I need paid out and I own it, but just down the road. Okay. I live in a neighborhood where all the houses are around $2 million or more just down the road. They listed their property in July. 
$1.8 million. And they've got an appraisal at $1.8 million. And nobody's pulling the trigger. Nobody wants to buy. These guys have to, have to move. Like they have to sell. They don't have a choice. They, they're, they're, they are motivated and the market is going to tell them what the house is going to trade at. And so I let it sit and let it sit and let it sit and let it sit. And nobody was, it wasn't going pending. They were steadily decreasing the price. And I called the agent up and I just said, look, I have an offer. It's disrespectful, but it is what it is. It's um, the market right now. And I don't think that you're going to get, but you're going to get better. And if you are, I, I really hope you, you get it. But seeing where things are right now, cash is king. And if somebody can come in and actually make this deal happen, you guys should take it. She's like, well, what's the number? I said, a million bucks. And they oh. took it. Yeah. But wait, <laughs> there's more. So I inspect the house. And I look and I'm like, I don't like it. I don't like what I'm going to have to spend in this property to get this place to look like what I want it to look like. Because my thought was, buy it as an Airbnb, let it do a short-term rental for the next you know, 18 to 24 months. And then when the market rebounds and rates depress again, sell it, make a pile of money. That's, that's what my plan was. And I thought I'd be able to Airbnb it in its current situation. But once I walked through, I realized it was going to require more. Like the, the layout was wonky. It had like, you know, that old slate, you know, the, that like, I don't know who, who invented that, but shame <laughs> yeah, on them. Really. <laughs> so bad. But uh, yeah, that orange and gray and blue, like just terrible slate. And it was everywhere. It's all over the house. Like just, just nasty stuff. And so I told the agent I wanted to cancel. I said, it's just too, too much work. And I don't think I'm up for it. So uh, I'm out. And they came back. I said, well, where does it got to be? 800. Wow. And they took it. Yep. So that's 2022, guys. So anybody who's out there right now saying it's a bad time to get into real estate, shake your head. Give yeah. your head a shake. For real. Because I made my fortune getting into the market mm -hmm. in 2010. I got back into the market and everything I bought in 2010, I exited in 2019. And I cleaned up because of those opportunities. And the same thing is coming around again right now. All those people who are like, oh, Jamil, you were so lucky. You were so lucky that you were able to buy again in 2010 and 2011 and 2012. You were so lucky that you were able to do that. No. Smart money moves into the market when the market is down. Yep. You create your own opportunities. And one of my favorite sayings is you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. So you didn't just sit there and say, oh, you know, I should make a low offer on that property. You actually made the offer and you went through the steps and, you know, it might not have worked out, but it actually did in your case and turned out to be a great deal for you. And being able to walk away. That's always one of the, you know, like being yes. able to say like, <laughs> it just isn't for me. And uh, yeah. you took the emotion out of it. Um, okay. So Back to wholesaling, though. Um, look, a couple of things are probably going to jump out at people. You talked about how you don't have to have, you know, a chunk of money to get started, right? Uh, funding the deals. Is there a type of personality that is good for wholesaling? Is there a type of personality that's not good for wholesaling? Like, what kind of person should consider that if they're interested in getting into real estate investing? They, you know, don't have a chunk of money yet, or they're apprehensive because the market's kind of weird and you know, maybe they're like you and they want to buy things cash only, you know, who should consider it? Who shouldn't? Is there, or, or is it good for everybody or skip this question? 
I think wholesaling is one of those things that's that's really good for everybody because you don't take risks in wholesale. And here's the here's the ethics of it because people are going to say, "Hey, Jamil, what do you mean? Why are you telling people to go lock up a deal if they don't have any money?" You, that I I want to I want to add an asterisk to that. I want to bring clarity to that. Okay, if you don't have a financial partner, if you're not if you're not working with directly with a buyer like myself or, you know, the, the Reese's. And if you don't have the financial capacity to actually perform on the contracts that you're writing, uh, take the extra step and go find those partnerships, go meet, go meet those buyers, go, go find those people so that the contracts and the offers that you're making are real. Want to learn the secret to building a thriving land flipping business? Head on over to landconquest.com and join over 2,000 passionate land flippers leveraging the power of community to scale quickly. Sign up for free at landconquest.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay, there's, there's nothing worse than fraudulent offers. There's nothing worse than making promises that you can't keep. So, so that is, you know, on the ethical foundation, the, one of the most important things is Take the extra time and take the step to find the relationships. In fact, my company, Keegley, we're franchised in 140 markets in the United States, and we very often partner with new investors all across the country, provide our financial prowess, our proof of funds, our, our backing to people who are out there wanting to get started in the business and wanting to go bring us opportunities. So reach out to us. Reach out to myself or reach out to another franchise in, in our company or, or maybe the Reese's have, have some opportunities or some connections for you guys in that as well. But whatever that is, reach out to people and connect. Make sure that you have the financial capacity to perform on the promises that you're making on the contracts. But here's why wholesale is great, is that in the contract, okay, in a contract, you have what's called an inspection period. And during that inspection period is the time when you are going to look at this deal to see, does this deal make sense financially? Is there an opportunity for us here? Do we really want to move forward with this purchase? Is this going to be a good sound decision or, or is this one we should, we should cancel and pass on? Well, the beautiful thing about the way a real estate contract is set up is that a buyer can cancel their contract for what any reason they want and get their earnest deposit back within that inspection period. And so, if your personality type is one where you're risk averse, wholesaling is for you. If you're the kind of personality that likes to get out there and take chances and, and, and you're a hustler type and you, and you just want to hit the ground running, wholesaling is for you. If you're the kind of person that thinks that they have to learn everything, like you want to learn how to underwrite, you want to learn how to you know, comp, you want to learn the, the ins and outs of a neighborhood before you actually buy a house and become a landlord, or that you want to understand the how fix and flip works. And so you maybe you want to make some connections with some fix and flippers and see what their projects look like. But you don't really want to take that risk yet. And you want to you want to be involved in it. But at a distance, wholesaling's for you. Like wholesaling is the entry and and it can be the exit for a for a real estate business. Last thing, our company did $40 million top line wow. last year. Okay. Do you know how many rentals I would have to own to bring in that kind of money? Quite a few. Quite a few. <laughs> that's a, I mean, that's an impressive number. That really is. How long has it taken you to build up to that amount? Six years. And that's pretty fast. That's pretty fast. Do you have like, how many people are on your team? Hundreds. I got a huge team and it's, fra again, like I said, we're franchised across the country. And so, you know, it's, there's a lot of us, I, I'm not doing that by myself and I'm not involved in, you know, a lot of the day to day anymore because I'm, 
you know, the, the guy on TV now. So it's. But you created the system. Like this is your, I'm going to get the saying blood, sweat, and <laughs> I get sayings wrong all the time. So I'm not going to test it, but yes. I, I'll say like the completely wrong thing, but just not along with that. Yeah. Um, you. I was waiting for you to say blood, sweat, and cheers. And yeah. She, I, that could have, that could That's have, something she would say. Yeah, serious. And I would go with it thinking it was right. And he'd be like, yeah. But you, and so you created this system. You've shown that you can build, pretty much you can build, like, I'm sure that this isn't your top, like, I'm super impressed with that number, but I bet in your mind, you're thinking we're going to go bigger and bigger and bigger. Right? Oh, yeah. Right. We're that's, just getting it's started. Like I'm, the, um, I'm the one that's more conservative in like, less risk taker. Like I don't, I'm not a risk taker. He's like a huge risk taker. And so me, I'd be like, you hit four, like, that's a great number. And P would be like, we're going to triple it next year. I, I can already tell you, you maybe you hundred times that, but so you created the system. It doesn't matter the personality type. It doesn't matter where you live and you provide the training. So someone could step in and learn from the bottom up with everything that you have going on there. Right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, some people come in and work for my company and learn that way. I have one lady right now. She's an ER nurse. And when COVID happened, she got really disenchanted with the medical system and just how, how hard she was working and how difficult everything got. And she's like, I want to, I want to put, take a side hustle. I need to learn something else. And she always kind of liked real estate, but didn't know anything like green, green, green. So she came in, she learned, I, you know, she came into my astro community and we taught her the basics and we taught her how to go out and find a deal. And this girl's taking home 50,000 bucks a month right now. She makes, she's making more money than the doctors who she was working beside in the AR. That's awesome. You know, and, and like, this is every day. These are everyday people that I that I work with. Like she's a hard worker. She mm -hmm. took your system and just ran with it, right? Right. And she did it as a side like a side thing. She kept her other job. Side hustle now she now she actually she left nursing because it didn't it didn't make sense to her to do anymore and she wasn't happy there and I hate the fact that I took a healthcare worker out of the system. Like I I do feel responsible for that and I'm sorry, you know. Um but she's happier. Right. And she, and she went through, you know, what I can only imagine during that time. So if she needed that break from that, I, I can't fault her. Mm -hmm. I'm sure well, you have questions. I'm going to look at my notes. Real okay. Quick. Well, okay. So maybe uh, what, what I'd like to, you know, I know that you've got a number of different things going on. I want to dig into a couple different ones, but um, she's a, a very successful student of yours. Like, have you had others that have just taken your, your stuff and just kind of like, blown up and, and done some some really, really huge things over the years? Yeah. So I've had students come in and learn from me and, and they end up owning multiple <laughs> Kegley franchises wow. and they, they've, they run multi-million dollar businesses themselves. I've had students come in and for instance, I've got the Garabito, you know, Michelle Garabito and Paul Nelson. These guys, they came from multi-level marketing, right? So this, this couple, they were Amway people and they had a terrible time in multi-level marketing because, you know, you don't really make any money in MLM unless you're recruiting people and, and you don't actually make money in the opportunity. You make money in the recruitment and that's the whole thing in itself. And so they got so disenchanted with MLM and, and they left, they left the world and, and she came in and she, and she first, Michelle first learned my system. And then she like within a month, she made, I think it was like 20 or 30,000 bucks. And then so she got her boyfriend in it and then he came in and he started crushing it as well. Now the two of them 
they're making over a million bucks and they barely work four hours a day. They travel around the world. They're either in Greece, they're in Turkey, Maldives, like, you know, and, and I'm, I, and I watch these guys live a better lifestyle than I do doing what I taught them how to do. Right. And it's not because I don't want to live that life. It's not that I, I couldn't live that life. It's just that I'm so busy and I've got so many responsibilities that traveling around the world and working four hours a day just isn't in my cards. But it's nice to see. It's nice to see people have that and, and be able to do that from what we taught, you know, and and I, I'm going to be fair. There's people who have come in and they haven't yeah. started. Yep. And yeah. that happens, too. You know, you people people will fail themselves. All the time. And so there's incredible results. And then there's yeah. people well, that people that don't take action. Yeah, it depends on what their input is to it. Like you you can lay out the whole system, but they have to actually work it and I don't like the word hustle, but like you have to you have to have that drive. You you've gotta want it. You've right. got I mean you've gotta put in the effort. You gotta learn you've gotta learn the business model mm -hmm. and you actually have to take the steps to implement it. I see so many of these people doing the multi-level marketing that now that you've brought that up. I mean, they were so many of these people, they work really yeah. hard. I mean, they really work it. They're doing everything they're taught to do. And it's just like a, an uphill, like pushing a rock up a hill, pushing a boulder up a hill to, to make sales and to really make it in that business, selling leggings, selling oils and everything. And I always think about that. Like if these people put the same type of dedication that they into real estate investing in whatever model they choose they would be successful because they've got the drive. They're really trying to make something of themselves. They're just... They're hard workers. Yeah, they're, they're in the wrong opportunity. The wrong path, yeah. I have a question for you. Okay, so you you make this money. Like I know um, a lot of us that invest in real estate kind of have our, this level is how we make the money. And then where do you invest your money? Like where are your longer term holds or what do you do with your money? That wasn't even one of my questions. I have more. Great question. So <laughs> for me, I've been, you know, I, I love the luxury Airbnb space. So... What we like to do is we like to find beautiful properties that are, you know, would rent for a thousand dollars or more a night in places where my wife and I want to visit. And that's what we do. So for one of our major investment plays is luxury Airbnb, luxury short-term rentals and markets that we don't believe or will have a lot of regulation um, added to them. So we're pretty mindful to make sure that we're in the right states and the right cities. Uh, for that type of investment. And then I also invest in hard money funds. So I, uh, I I find some really good lenders that have some really solid fundamentals and principles on how they are underwriting their loans. And I place my, my money in that, you know, getting 10% on my money in a very well underwritten hard money fund is hard to beat. How old are your kids? I've got a 13 and a 17 year old. I think oh, wow. we have um, 22, 20, and 12. Yeah. Um, I yeah. know. It, I mean, it's the best thing. Yeah. Kids are the reason for everything, for right. all this stuff, I guess. But We're those cheesy people that just think our kids are awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm I'm that cheesy guy and you know I'm I'm also that cheesy husband that still has a crush on his wife Pete and does like too. every time I you know do something good I I run home and I'm like hey honey how did I do I'm just like chasing her approval and I all I want to do is impress her all the all the time so Do they have any interest in real estate? Your kids? Nope. No. None of them. My no. kids, my wife, yeah. no, nobody. Yeah. It's it's inter it's either all in or all out like kind of thing, you know? That's cool. Either yeah. way. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. 
Okay, so I have a question for you. What is micro flipping? I read that somewhere. So it's really like the lowest hanging fruit to get in and, and get a deal done, right? So uh, I, I look at it like this. If you're brand new in wholesale and you don't have buyer relationships and you don't have the vernacular or the chops yet to underwrite well, right? So you don't feel confident enough yet to go and put deals under contract and you don't have enough wherewithal or industry knowledge to go intelligently speak to buyers quite yet, okay? Um, but you want to get in the mix. You want to get in the middle. So what people will do is, is what we call a micro flip, and that's where they go and make a relationship with other wholesalers who are good at underwriting and who have put deals under contract and, and are actively marketing contracts and actively marketing opportunities. And then they will then go make relationships with a disposition wholesaler or somebody who has active buyer relationships, whose buyers are actively looking for deals and, and want to see more opportunities. And what they'll do is they'll just connect those two dots. So they'll go collect opportunities from wholesalers They'll go give those opportunities to other wholesalers who are working with buyers and they will just connect the dots, connect the information between the two. And if one of their buyers wants to take one of their deals, they wedge themselves in the middle and make a profit. So easy. So it's almost like a paid, um, almost like, a, like matchmaking in a way, you know, yeah, like finding the deal to the, you know, see like my, you know, paranoid heart would like something like that because it's like i then you have somebody you could be like asking directly like is you know what i mean like that yeah, just you can seems, learn from that wholesale right, you're working with. like a really good okay thank you for that well that's what that's what ends up happening right so when you're micro flipping it's it's really like the first rung of the ladder and it's you can ask all the questions you can ask the questions of the act wholesaler who's out there negotiating deals and talking to sellers and and getting things under contract and finding out why did they put this under contract at the price they did and you know just get understandings and and get and get techniques and and learn ticks and uh, tips and tricks and all the things that that wholesaler did to get the deal locked up and then when they're talking to the disposition side they can find out how did they meet that buyer and where did they meet that buyer and and how did they uh, continue the relationship with them? And what's the best way to work with that buyer? And so you start to really learn like how it works on both sides of the equation. And all you're, all you're doing is, is taking opportunities from one to the other, right? This guy doesn't even know this person exists. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good stuff. Um, do you have something? I that's have not... one more thing I okay. have to say. Go ahead, Heather. Get your... And you're also on the A&E show, Triple Digit Flip. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you I stole his. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You're into what? everything. You're not just yeah. all over the internet. You're all over TV Yeah, as I want well. to know about that. I had started to gain a following online, right? And so that was already like, I, I'd, I'd get recognized out in places, but it was always like, you know, the same, like a guy like me who's just like, Hey, I want to learn about real estate and I saw you online. Can I yeah. pick your brain? You know, like one of them, you know, real interesting things. And so, you know, I, I, I get recognized, but it wasn't like, like it is now, you know, it's, you know, now I'll be out and, and, you know, soccer moms will say, Hey, I know you. And it's fun. Like things, I, uh, they for sure change, right? When you have millions of eyeballs on you, uh, your life isn't going to be the same, but you know, on, on the other, on the other side of that, I've really not let this like take control of my life. Right. It's not, 
I, I'm I'm still exactly who I am. I'm the same person I was go- going into it. It hasn't affected my personality. It hasn't affected how I operate in the world and what my my core mission is. Right? My I I really really love helping people. Like I truly want to see people change their financial futures because I've seen what life can look like when things are hard. You know, I've been I've been mattress on the on the floor poor and that's not fun and especially if you've got children and you're looking to provide a better life for them and you want to just have a way out you're looking for a way out i think that we all have within us the not only the right to have better lives and but we all have within us something that's really uniquely special about us. And for me, it's understanding real estate, you know, understanding specifically single family real estate and and specific, even more specifically in that, how to wholesale single family real estate. It's the gift that I've got, right? It's uh, God taught me how to find opportunity, how to spot potential. And I have an obligation to help people learn it. I have an obligation to share that and I have an obligation to share with people how they can leverage that knowledge to the betterment of their life and and make a substantial living for themselves and their families and and change their financial destinies. And so, you know, beyond a TV show, you know, forget YouTube, forget a TV show, forget all that stuff. I love just being in my community teaching people how to change their lives. That to me is what moves the needle. That's why I wake up every day and I say I want to keep doing this. Mhm. Yeah. And your beautiful wife and kids. Yep. <laughs> I could tell. I have a question. 100%. Because I always do. Yes. Did your parents own a house when you were growing up or did you rent? No, we, we owned. Oh, But I ended okay. up losing it. So when the market collapsed, I uh, had my, my, my mom and dad co-sign construction loans for me. And so when everything went bad in 2008, we not only, I only not only lost everything I had made, but um, our family home. In fact, we went to we went from a situation where uh, it got. It, this is how bad it got. So, like at the at the peak of our our uh, success, you know, prior to the market crash, I had bought my mother a, a house on a lake. In fact, on Mother's Day, my sister and I went to my mom and said, my mom and dad, and said, "Hey guys, um, you know, get in the car with us." And we left our old house. And we took them to their new house on the lake. And in the closet was brand new clothes. Parked outside was a brand new car. And it was just a, a brand new life. Like, and they were to leave everything that they had in the old house behind. Like, new life, new day, let's go. And that was an incredible moment for us as kids to be able to do for our parents. And it was in a year and a half later where... The bank was taking that house. The bank took their original house, our cars, my house. Everything was gone. So we went from that moment to my mom, my dad, my sister, my niece, our 150-pound dog, my cat, my sister's husband, and I in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment. Do you think that um, had that not happened you would be where you are today? Like, do you think that that gave you the drive um, to build, you know, build, build what you have now? I mean, right, yeah. obviously you've got, you're not, you're not an ordinary guy. Uh, did, did that contribute a lot to that? 
Yeah, it was a tremendous amount of guilt. Do you think about it a lot still? Or are you, is that the past? I don't ignore it, but I don't lament. You know, I don't, I don't think about it in, in painful ways at all. You know, it comes up because it's a part of my story. And so I have to ta- have to say it, you know? And so it's not that I'm like sitting there thinking about how bad days were because you want to know what I remember most about the apartment, my mom's cooking, my dog, who's no longer with us, you know, days with my dad and, and just how sweet it was for all of us to be a get together again. And, 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 you know, it was amazing when I had the big glass house on the hill and it was amazing. When my mom had the house on the lake and it was amazing when we had all those nice things and all that, all that was, but I was still alone then I didn't. And I was, and I, and I didn't have all the fundamentals that I have in my life now. Like even the woman that I dated at that time, as soon as the money was gone, she was, she was gone, you know? So like, I can tell you that I had not set my life up on a strong foundation at that time. It was all, mm-hmm. it all, it was all a house of cards, right? And so it all had to happen. Everything had to happen. I had to lose it all. I had to watch my family lose it all so that the next time I did it, I did it. And I think I, we did it this time with a lot more faith and a lot more collaboration with our creator in it as well, because we've my, you know, my sister and I, even my business partners are, the foundation of our business is we've built it on a foundation that's loving. And in that, I feel like we've been way more intentional about what we've accomplished and what we're accomplishing day after day now than we ever were. So yeah, it needed to happen. I had to go through that. I think like we always talk about anytime we've had like, you know, when we haven't had our greatest successful moments, we feel like we have learned so much from those moments more from those moments than any successful moments in like what to do better like and it's kind of and it keeps you kind of thinking like in the back of your mind always to me it's like what what have I learned in the past that can help me in the future and then we always take those lessons and we like drill it into our kids we're always like you know like learn from our mistakes from the past I mean and build from them and do even better I think um I like the way you looked back on it though, you know, and it is, it's funny, like even in the the darkest moments, it was like, you were surrounded by your family, you know, you're re-centered and you're like, you wouldn't have had those moments had that not happened. Anyways, I'm such the Debbie Downer of um, life sometimes. So I'm going to let Mr. Optimistic and Happy here, but I I love that though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I think that a lot of people can relate to that. Life's not linear. It's not always, you know, straight up and everything. You have those dips and it's, you know, the reflection and learning from it. Right. Well, it definitely makes sense to me. You mentioned earlier mm-hmm. about how you're you're not using any leverage anymore. I mean, you're you've you built this up so you you don't you don't need to use mm-hmm. leverage anymore, which is which is impressive in itself. But right. uh, I mean, it really really uh, really hits home. That, I mean, that's an, that's an amazing story. And I don't know, uh, you you've you fought back from it and you created something amazing with what you've got now. And you're helping. How how many students have you had go through your program now? Forty five hundred. We add about 50 to 60 a week. It's, it's insane. Like it, the community that I'm building right now in Astro Flipping, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. And the success is like nothing you've ever heard of before. It's just a bunch of people getting in there, doing deals with each other, loving on each other, helping each other. Uh, it is phenomenal what is happening in that community. And I get, I get told from people outside of it, like, you know, other people in the info world and, um, educators and coaches, they just say, what are you doing? Like, how is it a cult? Like, what is happening over there? How do you get people so bought in? The energy. Yeah, because people are getting results, you know, and it's contagious. Again, it's it's 
it's just what it is, you know, we're, we're, and I, and I, and it's because I'm super dedicated to them as well. I'm in, in this space, especially considering all that I have going on in my life on Tuesday, I do anywhere between a four to six hour wow. coaching call <laughs> with my students, me personally on Sunday, I do another four to six hour coaching call with them every Sunday. That's twice a week. I, I can be sitting with them answering questions for anywhere between 10 to 12 hours. Who does that? Wow. Boost your land flipping earnings with our new Land Conquest business system. It's designed for efficiency and effectiveness. This cutting edge software tool is your key to success in the land flipping industry. Streamline and automate your operations to scale your business to new heights. With our system, you get a customizable website with six professional templates to choose from, up to five dedicated phone numbers, each with their own chosen area codes for creating a trustworthy local presence. And as a bonus, you'll get a $25 credit for SMS and email sends. You'll also get access to our tech team to build any automations or customizations that you want. And not to mention, we've got a great dedicated community to the Land Conquest business system to help us all thrive together. And with every step of the way, you get our 24-7 live chat support. But that's not all. You'll also gain access to our exclusive community to connect and grow with fellow land flippers. Seize the opportunity to transform your business. Visit software.landconquest.com to check out the Land Conquest business system and unlock the next stage of your land flipping success. No, I, nobody. No. <laughs> No, but that's that real dedication to their success. You know, they're an extension of you. You want them to succeed. I love that. How really four to six hours? You do that <laughs> twice a week. That's. I mean, you must be exhausted after that. I'm spent. And, and think of this: I'll have just filmed an eight-hour day on set, so I'll have I'll have gone to set at seven in the morning, and I'll shoot until like four. I come home home at four thirty. I have a, a a cup of tea. I will I'll do like a 15 minute meditation just to like re recenter myself and like just get some oxygen into my body. And then from five to like midnight, <laughs> I'll do a call. Wow, impressive! Yeah, it's the easy. It'd be the, it's the easiest thing in the world for it would be the easiest thing in the world for you to say. You know, I had a really long day. I had a tough day. Whatever happened, whatever happened, but I can't do the call today. But like sounds like you're just doing it no matter what. And that's your magic though. Like you, yeah. you know, your word is your word and you're there for them. I think that's the difference between, you know, someone yeah. that's succeeding. I almost said the winners and losers and that's not what I meant, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like someone who's really dedicated to, to their craft and, um, and you're all in Yeah, and that's why it, it works, you yeah. know? And that's why it works for your students as yeah. well. I did in 4,500 that, those are, I keep going back to that. That those are real people. You know that you're making a, a difference in their life. I think that's pretty awesome. And it's like w seeing what they, you know, like I I get moved to tears when I hear it. Like you know Heidi and Pete, they're you know another little couple in my in my crew. They um, three months ago they had their water turned off. You know, and they were desperate. I didn't even th honestly they shouldn't have been in my program. Because of where they were financially. Like, I'm being, I'm, I'm just saying it. Like, they should, they, that, that whoever, you know, sold them shouldn't have. They should have said no. Because I tell, I tell the sales staff, hey, if you, if you, if you see financial hardship, I'm not interested. I don't want to take somebody's utility money away from them. I don't want, like, we don't want that. 
Yeah, we do not want that. So, so pull, pull, you know, say no to those people. At the same time, I listened to the phone call that brought them in, and they never told us that this is the situation they were in. But they yep. believed in themselves. They wholeheartedly believed in themselves, and they came in and they went to work. And like right now, they're they're any they're averaging anywhere between seventy and a hundred thousand dollars a month in income. And they just like. Can you imagine just a few, like a, like a little while ago, they didn't have money to pay their utilities and three months in a row now, three months in a row, be, they've been between 70 and $100,000. They had the drive. They just needed the system. You know? Yeah, they needed the business model. And right. then so many people get, you know, they, they don't know where to focus. And, and someone like yourself is able to give them a plan to focus on. Here's what, here are the exact steps. Here's what you need to do. Go out and do it. Yeah. So, and then you've got a community, obviously that uh, is there to support them, and you're doing all these calls and everything. So, sounds like you got something pretty amazing going. Well, how, so uh, can you tell everybody what it's called and where to find you to to look into this market? They're probably like, okay, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The 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 wholesale community is called Astro Flipping. You can find information. You go to go.astroflipping.com, and um, you know you can learn more. You can follow me on Instagram at at j-d-a-m-j-i that's at j-damji and uh you know you'll learn a little bit about what i do on my instagram i have a youtube channel where i i i the thing about it what's funny is that you don't like nothing that you learn in astro flipping i don't give away right so they can get it all on youtube they can get it all on youtube really see it all understand it and then what they don't get on youtube is the community what they don't get on YouTube is access to me and the Q and A and the and the the coaching and the the like the like dedicated crew of people and you know when you tap into that community it's it's no like you can literally you can start and you know get into the Facebook group and say who's got deals available you know and all the people that have something for sale right now will say me 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 and then you can go look 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 and then you can literally just connect the dots. Like people come in, they connect the dots, they 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 make the money that they spent in the program immediately, and then they're like, okay, now what's next, you know? And so it's like everything that they want to know, I've given away. It's all there on my YouTube. You can go to my YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash Jamil Damji. You want to learn what I do? It's not a secret. This isn't like this big. Like I don't have. There's no easy button, but it's real. Right. I like that though because I think once they get into your YouTube, they're going to be like, okay, this is. You know, this, like you just said, it's real. It's going to take work. Um, but, you know, you can create, you know, whatever you want from that. And then they're going to want to join your other programs. Yeah. Pete actually is joining. Um, did I just see you on your well, phone? I he, when know, you said deals, he was like. Yeah, I want to know how to get on your buyer's list for all your students and, and everything. Is there, do you have any sort of list like that for, for investors to get on? Yeah, absolutely. So depending on where you're buying, you know, you could you would connect with a Keegley franchise in your local area and uh, they would work with you direct. Um, my student deals, you really have to be in the Astro community to, to, to access their deals unless they find you, unless they're out, you know, but you know, depending on where you're looking, I'm happy to plug you in. Great. And, and do you guys ever get to do commercial or is it only single family mostly or land? I mainly focus on single family, you know, right now, commercial and multifamily, it's a totally different beast, you know, with rates where they are, sellers still haven't come down to reality with respect to what they're asking. I think that, you know, I haven't seen a lot of deals out there make sense in multifamily at the moment. 
Mm-hmm. What about other like commercial? Do you think your uh, a variation of your model could work for commercial properties? I mean, not just multifamily, but hotels, motels. I mean, industrial, retail, any of that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely can work. I, I've I have wholesaled commercial, small commercial. I've wholesaled small industrial. <laughs> I, I wholesaled a <laughs> bank great. before. You know, it's a um, an interesting. It's interesting what you can do. It's it's just understanding what potential there was. So the bank was fun, right? Like this, there was a an old bank here in Mesa, Arizona, and um, you know they they were having some trouble with it, and uh, they'd put it up on LoopNet, and there was no no bites, and so eventually, some they had heard about me from somebody, and the the seller came to me and said, "Look, man, we just we just need to sell this. I, I don't know what we can get for it, but." We just we just need to get out of it. We need to get something out of it. And I asked, okay, well, you know, what what did you guys have it listed on LoopNet for? And they said, well, we were we were asking two fifty on LoopNet, but we'll take less if we need to. We just we just need a buyer. We just we really just need to sell this. I said, okay, look, here's what I'll do. I'll contract it with you guys at two hundred. Okay, if are you guys good selling it at two hundred, if I can get you two hundred, we would be thrilled at two hundred thousand. Perfect. So I contracted at 200. I gave myself a couple of weeks of an inspection so that I could kind of make sense of what to do with it. And uh, I put it out. I put it out on my list. And <laughs> so weird. So the guy who buys it is a restaurateur. And his plan was to take it down and turn the vault into private dining. <laughs> cool. That is cool. Yeah. And he did. He did. He turned the he turned it into a restaurant. He used the vault as private dining, oh. <laughs> and he gave me two fifty for it. So I made fifty thousand dollars selling that. I made that seller so happy because the seller got what they wanted. The restaurateur yeah. <laughs> got a vault. Yeah, that that worked all the way know. around. It's so. just the creative thinking. Like I would never have thought of that. You know what I mean? I love that. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, we've taken a lot of your time today. You've been. Uh, amazing as a guest and and really provide a lot of value for sure. So I want to recap um, just where people should go. It's go.astroflipping.com. Is that the best place? Yeah, go.astroflipping.com if you want information about that. Uh, find me again on my IG at J-D-A-M-J-I. And then my YouTube is just youtube.com slash Jamil Damji. Happy to connect with you guys. Happy to teach. Happy to learn. If you've got something that I could learn from you, I'm I'm a student through and through. All right, sounds great. Well, any parting words, Heather? No, I won't. I have more questions, but I'll control myself. Okay, we'll do I, that. We we'll, do it on, we'll do it on part two. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you so much for telling us so much more about wholesaling. I um, I had a lot of like, you know, thoughts in my head of what it really was, and I think that you really got it kind of centered and cleared. And can I ask, just like you know, I, I know we're near the end, and not to not to take up too much more time, but. Did you have an idea that wholesaling was this like shady kind of, you know, just like people taking advantage of people? Like what was your what was your understanding of what wholesaling was? That's like a really good question. Not, you know, the funny thing is it's not never shady. But to me it was like um how I put it into words, tricky. Like I think that um for some reason I think people don't think that there's that that how you said that you had an attorney involved, you know, like your first one like that, like there's actual legal forms, like, and there's actually steps that you can like that. It's a real business. I think that's what I'm, I, 
trying to get to, that it's an actual real business that with a real system and that it benefits so many different people. And in my mind, I was like, how do you express that and how do you explain it so that people understand it? You know, that it's not just a side thing like, you know, oh, I found this, I was driving and I found this one deal and, you know, it's someone who does once a year, they find some, you know what I mean? Like not a professional thing. Got it. Like, yeah. How do you turn this from like a side hustle to like, you know, you, you're, you're doing this nationally and, and on, a, on a television show. Got it. <laughs> well, like, and that you're a professional doing it. I think that's where, you know, a lot of people like, not necessarily shady because I can see the benefit to even communities. Like, I think we've been on road trips and I've seen, you know, you see houses like that and, and you think, boy, this whole area would look better if this one house or, you know what I mean? It's, it's the scary house to walk by. So I always thought, saw that, but um, I like that you were able to bring it to, it's a profession. And that, and also I like that you mentioned the part about how having the money, the backing beforehand, that was the other thing. Yeah. On, on an ethical standpoint, like that's a, that's a conversation piece that I'm really loud about. I, you know, um, in, in parting, because I know we're, we're, we're rounding this out. I have been a proponent of licensing. I've been a proponent of standardizing and regulating. I don't, I don't, I don't think this is a part of the industry that needs to remain under the rug. You know, I, I think licensing is a good idea. Um, but until then, until that becomes, uh, you know, what wholesalers must do, we need to standardize our own behavior. We need to regulate ourselves. And a part of that is actually being able to do what we say we're going to do. I don't think that, that it's okay to run around and make promises that you can't keep. So that's the reason why on an ethical standpoint. And you know, it's funny, like uh, you guys are familiar with bigger pockets, I'm sure. Well, bigger pockets for the most part wouldn't even promote wholesaling because they, they had such a weird understanding of what the whole business model was. And after I came into the bigger pockets ecosystem, not only has bigger pockets adopted and, and embraced wholesaling as a business model, but I've become the subject matter expert for wholesaling for bigger pockets. I'm writing the book on wholesaling for bigger pockets, and I'm also on multiple of their podcasts where we talk about wholesaling. So it's this concept of of raising the standard and 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 really bringing ethics to the conversation is what I'm passionate about. Yeah, I like it. Well, I think you hit those two points, and um, I left the conversation <laughs> very happy. Yeah, well, and I'm my, a pessimist, so that's a good thing. <laughs> from my perspective, uh, you know, anyone that can bring me a deal as a real estate investor, right. anyone that can bring me a deal is my best friend. So. I mean, you know, you're providing something valuable as a wholesaler and allowing the end investor to to do what they do with it. So I don't know. I want to know more wholesalers, actually. So I know that's true. Well, you know, it just so happens that I have an army of them. So I know. Send it my way. You guys can contact me. That would be great. Yeah. So, Pete, we got to we got to talk offline and I'll I'll uh, I'll help you out a lot. <laughs> OK, well, that sounds great to me. So. Well, thanks for your time. Yeah, You've been amazing. You. You've got an I amazing story. Seriously, amazing. could talk to you for hours more, but <laughs> next time. Next time. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Jamil. Yeah. So nice meeting you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Next time. Thanks for tuning in. And if you're ready to start turning profit yourself, visit our website at turningprofit.com. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word by sharing it with a friend. See you on the next episode.